you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Mark Sessler, and I am joined to my right by Chris Wessling. And across from me... Greg Rosenthal, fresh back from Canton. How you guys doing? What's happening? Great, Mark. What's, uh, you didn't even mention the fact that, you know, in every Around the League podcast we've done so far, there's been the same person starting out. That's been Dan Hansis. And now, reader, who's you know, Dan Hansis? Listeners <laughs> tune in and who is this new voice talking? Well, no, you know, right. We, we, we have a protocol here. Where we always have someone on the desk in case news breaks. It's right in the middle of the day. And we've rotated the sub, I guess, and Dan's been subbed out. And we're probably losing, losing listeners by the <laughs> boatload here, but we're going to do our best, aren't and, we? And we'll call him a little bit later and, and see what he's working on. Right. He's not, he actually specifically said to me, because we've called down a few times, he said, don't call me. Right. So Greg's immediate response was, let's call Dan. So we're going to do that in a bit. Yeah. I mean, come on. What is this diva behavior? We got we to gotta <laughs> talk to him. We Dan gotta, is not in charge today. He's awkward, not awkward podcast is good. Well, listen, so we right off the bat today, we had some news that started to develop last night. Brian Balaga, and it's, you know, the Packers left tackle, the one guy that we did a making the leap on, injury-free group, he has sustained a pretty big injury. Looks like he's out for the season. What's your immediate takeaway, Greg, on this? Well, they their big focus this offseason was fixing the offensive line. They looked at their team. Obviously, they had defensive issues. But on offense, the big problem is protection. And they took a huge risk by, by putting a very good right tackle in Brian Belaga over on the left side, putting a very good right guard in Josh Sitton, putting him over on the left side. This was kind of their, their move. This was the ace in the hole. And now, you know, before you even get to the first preseason game, uh, it's all been, you know, thrown away. And, and they have to figure out where to go from here. Well, uh, fourth-round rookie David Bakhtiari looks like a guy who they might want to plug in. He's reportedly done very well in practice, hasn't given up a sack, even to Clay Matthews. 
But that's quite a stretch to think a fourth-round rookie is going to come in and protect Aaron Rodgers' blindside. I would kind of—I'm interested to see if they go with a more balanced attack. Uh, they finally put resources into running back, drafted two rookies in the second and fourth round. Eddie Lacy looked really good in the scrimmage Saturday night. So I want to see if they run the ball quite a bit more this year. I mean, you look at Rodgers last season for as you know potent as he was in his stats that he put out that were fantastic. No quarterback was sacked more. And that's, that's rough because you have to look at the, the line as a downgraded line overall at this point. Am I wrong? Well, Balaga missed games last year, too. If anything, they are used to playing without him. He missed games the year before. So it's, it's been tough for him to stay on the field. But you have to worry about, you know, on the right side, you have Marshall Newhouse, who's battling for a job. Maybe he ends up on the left side. We, we don't really know. Now it's just kind of back to where they were last year which was scrambling. And, you know, I think, Wes, don't you think they were going to run the ball more anyways, even before this injury? Yeah, I do. I think, um, yeah, I think this is going to provide more of an impetus to go in that direction. But, you know, the Packers' problem, we should probably say, isn't really on offense. It all depends what happens on defense. I mean, this isn't going to keep them from winning the division. However, if Aaron Rodgers is, you know, hammered back there time and again, and for once he, you know, sustains an injury, they have a massive issue. That team... How, that could, the, the win total, if they ever lost Rodgers, I think would oh, yeah. drop off massively. <laughs> we, yeah, we they'd be gone. Vince Young sighting. That's right. And, you know, people overrate, I think, sometimes the offensive line in terms of how important they are towards how many sacks are given up. A lot of that is on the quarterback. And, you know, it's on Rodgers to get rid of the ball quicker. And we've seen them do well uh, with Marshall Newhouse on the left side. I mean, they had a pretty good offense in 2011. Uh, they were pretty good last year, too, although not as consistent. You know, we saw with the Saints. I remember they lost their left tackle their Super Bowl year. Very early on, Jermon Bushrod comes in there, and they end up winning the Super Bowl that year. He kind of came out of nowhere. So to me, it's more about the scheme, and it's more about the quarterback and whether the entire group can come together. Balaga's a very good player. I think they can still bounce back from that. I mean, the, the upside is, coming off the weekend, we, we finally were starting to see some inter-squad scrimmages and stuff, and the young running backs look like they've been pretty good out of the gate. Right. Lacey and Franklin both look good, and uh, all reports are that James Starks has kind of been reinvigorated this year. So they've got plenty of options back there. I I would look for them to run the ball more. So we're over the Twitter photo controversy of Eddie Lacey. We're not too worried about his (laughs) conditioning. No. from It looked like he... He played very well in the scrimmage Saturday night. Does anything on Twitter like remain a controversy for more than 48 <laughs> hours after it occurred? No, no. Uh, that family night scrimmage is crazy, by the way, that they sell out They sell out the stadium, and it's such a big deal. I, I would love to go to that. That's like one of those events I would love to go to. But the reports on Lacey were glowing, that once you know the pads are on and tackling, that he looked like that guy that they're looking for. And you start thinking about Jonathan Franklin. I like him a lot as a third down type of guy at the very least. Then you have Starks. We'll see who else makes the team. And they should be pretty dynamic. I'm still thinking about picking the Packers to win the Super Bowl for the fourth straight year. It's coming handy for me once. And they've looked pretty good the other years. They didn't make it all the way, but they were good. And I'm thinking about picking them to win it all for the fourth straight year. This may not take me off of that. Your stunning 25% success rate is, <laughs> has people just captivated. One out of three. Last three. That's not bad for a Super Bowl team. It's been Packers-Patriots every year, and the Patriots have made it a couple times at least. All right, hold on. So Greg <laughs> just came back from Canton, Ohio. We heard very little. You, know, you, you gave you know, specific details about you know, what you were doing, what you were working on. But I think... 
it's a little incomplete. Give us the fill in the fill in the gaps here. What was it like? What, what, what did you experience? Give us some uh, nightlife nuggets. Yeah, here. what was you know? Oh man, I was so boring nightlife wise. Mark knows last year he was in Canton. It's it's a little quieter of an event, but you're very busy working hard during the days. I was very boring uh, at night. <laughs> I mean, you know, the crew there was Adam Rank, who you know our listeners probably know. Um, you know, our news editor, Justin Hathaway, Elliot Harrison, who writes for the site. Not really a group that I felt like going out with that much. You know wow. what I'm saying? Okay. Wow. Well, that's out there on the public airspace. <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. But uh, it was it was great. I went. To, it was the first time I've ever been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I did a big photo essay on that. I mean, if you love football, you have to go to it. And then the Hall of Fame game, it was really cool going to the stadium. I know that sounds stupid, but it was like kind of this small town Ohio couldn't be any more football everyone's getting excited everyone's out on the streets it's a beautiful night the stadium there is beautiful you know then the game starts and it's kind of like who cares uh but but before that it's a very cool atmosphere and it's a great weekend just seeing all the hall of famers I mean I just just walk watching them enjoy the weekend is really cool I mean I think you called I'm looking back on the article here on around the league you called it a anti-super bowl yes well, it is. Was it, it, was, it sl- was it sleepy was the other word you used for it? I mean, it is. I was there last season. It's a, it's a down-tempo NFL affair for sure. Well, the, the weekend is great. Everything they put on is fantastic. And the game that they put on, everything along with it's great. But yeah, the game, who cares? I mean, in the middle of the second quarter, we've got Lance Dunbar out for the night. Got to keep Dunbar healthy. You know what I mean? We, like, we, we can't leave him out there anymore. I mean, we're into the third stringers. Uh Nick Stevens, the third string, you know, Cowboys quarterbacks in in the middle of the first quarter. It's not that, you know, it's a problem, I think. I think it's a little bit of a problem for the NFL. I really do. Wes, how many minutes of last (laughs) night's Hall of Fame game did you watch? Zero. Zero? (laughs) Can't wait to get back to football. I told Greg this the other day. I'm experimenting with no television service at at my apartment. That's crazy. You, but it, you need to get TV. I mean, I know you'll be here on Sundays, but I think for your job, it's going to end up coming in handy. You didn't miss much. I watched it, although I will say the one thing that stuck out, I looked up at one point, and the guy that Wes has been touting all offseason, Lamar Miller, yeah, ghastly fumble. Now, I don't want to overreact to it. The guy's going to be fine, but it was an ugly loss of the ball there. Well, I, just because I touted him doesn't mean that he's going to come. I don't know. Through. So we'll right, everyone West the, touts. I have as a as a locks, you know, <laughs> a completely locked in guy to go nuts this season. It was the first play of the game, so that that's a little alarming. But yeah, we don't need to overreact. He had two more runs. He ended up not getting charged with the fumble. Anyways, he had two more runs. He looked very explosive on those two runs, and that's kind of why I'm talking about. You can't draw too much from this week. I mean, he had he had two runs. The the one thing that stuck out for me more than anything in the game was the Dolphins' left tackles because that's been a theme we've been writing about. We hit it hard yesterday for sure. And Jonathan Martin wasn't in there for long, only about 10 plays, but he gave up a couple pressures in those 10 plays and Tannehill had to get rid of the ball quickly. And then his backup come in, supposedly the guy competing for the job, Dallas Thomas, and he got worked. I mean, he made this guy, George Selvey, on the Cowboys look like Reggie White. It was one of the most dominant defensive end performances. And all night long, the quarterbacks for the, for the Dolphins, especially the left tackle spot, uh, you know, really struggled. I asked Philbin about it afterwards, and, you know, he just he didn't know what to say. He just said, we got to be better there. You know, even with all of the new weapons that the Dolphins have with Mike Wallace, Dustin Keller, Brandon Gibson, have all been brought in, I would not touch Tannehill in fantasy leagues for that reason because I don't believe he'll get protection from left tackle. It is interesting, as they went out and they made this big splash, they signed these weapons, 
But it's not unlike Green Bay in a sense that if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't get the ball to those weapons. No. I mean, are you buying the Dolphin type? I just read the Football Outsiders chapter for them. I mean, they have about they have about six wins. I, I actually took a look at that yesterday when I was writing this uh, Ryan Tannehill piece, or Tannehill, as, uh, as Wes would say. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I don't, because I think every year we see this where they've accrued all these you know, high-profile names. But I look at the names they added, and outside of Keller, I- I'm not really convinced that most of them are going to make the impact that, that, have, that we've been told they will. Philip Wheeler is the type of guy that that's the exact guy you don't want in free agency. The guy who just hit it rich on a one-year contract. You want him on the one-year contract, not on the five-year contract where all of a sudden he's going to have a lot of attention. He had a really bad night for his 10 plays. Uh, he missed a couple tackles, struggled on a, on a long Cowboys drive. But I'm not going to draw too much from these preseason games other than who's playing, who's not, who's winning jobs because it's fooled us too many times before. So let's let's make a pact, guys. Let's not... Let's not fall into the trap of the, of the preseason hype. We Dude. won't overdo it. I saw uh, Philbin, one last note on the Dolphins, at the Combine walking down a gigantic cavernous hallway. And he was in a sweater vest and a turtleneck and cords and looked not unlike a mid, middle management man at IBM. Just yeah. roam, does he look at, is he bulked up? Is he looking a little bit more like a football coach at this point? No, he, he's pretty skinny, and I thought the same thing because he had to push his weight. He was coming out of the locker room, and I don't know if you remember, the locker rooms there are very small. You know, as, high school locker room, as, basically. As, as you would expect. And he's trying to get out of there, and there's a crush of crowd you know, trying to get home, and they're trying to bring Joe Philbin through it, and he's so nice. You know, he's being very polite. He's not saying anything, and he's basically just standing there because he doesn't want to, like, jut in. Finally, someone, some security, you know, gets people out of the way. But I thought the same thing, that if you didn't know he was the coach, you thought you would have thought he was going home or going to friendlies for ice cream or whatever. <laughs> he is a nice man, according to all accounts. All right, so uh, as we mentioned, Greg has insisted that we dial up Dan, who we're going to find out if he's actually working right now because when we're not around, we don't know where the guy is, right? That's true. Who I knows ho- where he is? Yeah, he, maybe he's taken off for this half hour, but we're going to go find out and see. Dan Hansis. Dan Hansis. What's happening? Wow. It's the Around the League podcast calling you. What's going on down well, there? A little bit of a surprise. I heard... Um, I, I heard a rumor that you didn't want us to call you. Well, let me just clear this up. Dan, I made it very clear that we had discussed the option of calling you, and you yeah, had nixed well, the option. I thought, I thought the three of you guys could handle it, and I'm sure you are, and I didn't think that maybe it was necessary. Um, you know, I didn't, maybe I didn't think the, 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 the whole idea was that dynamic, but perhaps <laughs> I was wrong. Wow. Dan just trying to just torpedo the segment as he's on it. I I just thought it'd be good. We're taking turns doing this. We could see what you're working on. Okay. I was hoping maybe you'd answer like complex litigation. This is John, something like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, a little callback to the Sports Guys podcast. I well, if you want to know what I'm working on, uh, I'm working on the Colts wide receiver depth chart, which is changing as as we speak. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay, who. Uh, Suffered a knee injury in practice this weekend. It's a sprain. ESPN's Chris Mortensen says it's going to be a few weeks, and that means T.Y. Hilton, who's one of our Making the Leap candidates, has got a good chance of now sliding into that number two slot opposite Reggie Wayne. I like that. I um, I feel like this is our team, the Making the Leap team. We're going to be rooting for these guys all Well, year. we were concerned that potentially after Belaga went down, will this take sort of a horror show approach where every one of these 40 guys are 
you know, removed by ghastly injury this season. <laughs> Sounds like a Stephen King novel. Could happen. Yeah. We're off to a good start. Hey, the, and the other thing I'm, I'm just seeing this, and this is of special note for Chris Wessling, is a, a report also from Mort that Jake Ballard might not even make the Pats 53-man roster. Uh, his knee, knee issues. I am shocked by that report. Tight end. <laughs> I, am, I am shocked that uh, a tight end who moved like a guard before he <laughs> had microfracture surgery and a torn ACL is not quite as fast as he was before. I feel yeah. like this is personal for Wesseling. You really have it well, in for When Wesseling doesn't like a player, he makes it extremely crystal clear. He's dead to Wait, me. <laughs> now that I kind of – time is getting a little hazy on me, but uh, what was the name of the guy that clubbed uh, Nancy Kerrigan on the knee in 94? Jeff Galuli, I believe. Wesseling? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's actually some physical resemblance between Galuli and Wesseling if you think about it. <laughs> Didn't he have a wispy mustache? Yeah, it was of the Jeff wispy. Foxworthy variety. You could pull it, was it like, off. It was it was Wes's prior headshot before he got the sleeker update and won the prior one. He kind of looked like a right. early period a Jeff dime Lilly. store thug. If you can imagine Wes back in the ninety early nineties, something like that, I could see see him looking. And Wes probably was what in his thirties back then. So <laughs> you know, it's possible. In my blue collar mailman days, I I could have taken uh, I could have taken Jake Ballard out with a tire iron. I could see that. Uh, Wes listening to a lot of Candlebox getting angry about Jake Ballard. <laughs> well, there we have it. Uh, Jeff Kalouli making his first appearance on the NFL media stage. I'm I mean, also, by the way, eating a um, mediocre shrimp wrap from the uh, commissary. Oh, we got to watch it here because we don't know who's listening. This is where I'd be worried about. The, I, I can talk trash on Elliot Harrison, and I'm not worried about the repercussions. But if they somehow found out we're dogging their food, it, it could be a problem. Usually it's pretty good, this one. It just didn't come together. <laughs> this has been very informational. We got Hayward Bay injured. Shocker. Couldn't see that coming. Uh, and then a lot of other good information about Jeff Galuli, uh, Chris <laughs> Wesseling's boy. Thank you, Dan. I just yeah. feel like we all have to be part of each one if possible. We don't want to be Is left that, out. That would have been Dan's long. first absence from the podcast if he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was afraid that Greg was going to launch into another division-by-division division breakdown, so I'm just happy <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> Why don't you get back to work? Okay. Thanks, Bye. Dan. Bye. Uh, well, I'm glad we did that. That actually, you know what? That's why you're running the ship, because that was a wise move in the end. Yeah. We learned something there. And a little awkwardness, you know. Well, that's, great television is made for mockery. I'm just you glad because a lot of times Dan's phone will ring and he'll, and as I do, that when that when that desk phone rings, it rings 200 times a day. Just ignore it entirely. He actually picked up the segment connected. All right, well, hold on. So we've got about a couple minutes left here. Why don't we cycle through? We're coming off the weekend. A lot of stuff just happened. Wes, uh, you were here during one weekend day with me on Saturday. We toiled away. What stands out to you about what you've seen in the last 48 hours or so from the league? I find it interesting. Uh, I want to see if the Patriots are using Shane Vereen as a joker. A joker being a offensive skill position player who can line up at multiple positions and dictate the coverage for the defense. The Patriots have been using Aaron Hernandez in that role. Uh, Vereen obviously is going to have a bigger role. They've been playing him in the slot, out wide, and at running back. Um, I, I guess I want to see he's not going to take Hernandez's all of Hernandez's snaps. He's not going to be able to do as many things. But I want to see if Josh McDaniels uses him to kind of dictate how the defense plays them. Well, they always find someone, right? They always – everyone is still assuming the Patriots win the AFC East. So 
people are saying Brady will figure it out. Well, to figure it out, you got to have some talent around you, and some of those guys have to step up. Who's a better candidate than Vereen? I mean, Ridley's going to do what he does, but Vereen's probably the next most explosive. Julian Edelman made our making the leap list. He's got to prove he can stay healthy. Uh, I really like this kid. From what I've heard, Kembrell Tompkins sounds like he's going to be uh, someone who gets on the field as an undrafted rookie, which is interesting. But someone has to step up because they're not just going to start running the football. Well, you say everyone assumes they're going to win the AFC East. And I think that, yes, there's that let's hold on, on predicting doom for New England. But I, I feel like I, it's been a while since there's been kind of a suspicion that maybe Brady and Belichick have hit a wall here. Do you really feel like everyone's that confident that this team just rolls through the division? No, but I'm almost thinking just from a production standpoint, Tom Brady's not going to just fall off a cliff and some somehow a Kyle Bowler number. So someone's going to have to take those numbers. Amendola will do it. But Shane right. Vereen, to, to Chris's point, is probably the next most dynamic guy on that offense. And if Belichick and McDaniels have shown anything, they're good at maximizing what their players' strengths are. And I think they'll find them with Vereen. Right. I think we got a little bit of a preview of that in the uh, playoff win over the Texans when Vereen had, what, three touchdowns and uh, had two big plays outside at wide receiver where he's beating linebackers down the field. If the Patriots do a lot of that, there's no linebacker that can hang with Shane Vereen. I think it'll be great to watch them this season. You know, as we've noted early on, they're always kind of testing what they can do, who they have. But this year especially, it's like, yeah, I don't know that the, the, the training camp and preseason games are going to be enough to really figure out what their identity is and who's going to stick. And it'll be fascinating just to watch what Belichick does week to week. And think about their wide receivers, seriously. You have Amendola, but after that, if Edelman's not healthy, it might be the next three guys are rookies. I mean, that's really right. crazy. Dobson, Boyce, and Tompkins, who I mentioned I trust enough people around that team that say he's been the best guy on the field. Out of the rookies, maybe out of anyone, this other rookie tight end, Zach Sudfield, who uh, Sudfeld that Wesley talked about earlier, he's going to play too. So what an what a interesting mix this is of all these rookies in Brady. It's a little worrisome because the Patriots haven't developed wide receivers. No. Their wide receivers <laughs> have been true. free agents or trade targets like Wes Welker. They haven't, I mean, Chad Jackson, there's a whole list of them that just haven't panned out. Not, a, fact, not they, a Bethel Johnson fan? Not a Bethel Johnson they fan. They seem to bring their own guys back after letting them sign with other teams or trading them away. They seem to bring the same old guys. It's the first year where it's like a complete cast of unknowns, so we'll see what happens there. What about, Greg, for you, something else that we haven't talked about that sticks out? Well, the Raiders quarterback situation, we were really excited in the summer about Tyler Wilson, and people talked about him maybe battling for that job. He was kind of a trendy pick to win that job, and right now he's fourth on the depth chart. Not only not going to win the job, but he's fallen behind an undrafted rookie. He's probably not going to get, at this rate, he's not going to get on the field this year. Even if Flynn struggles, you're going to see Pryor, and I think those are the two guys that are going to get a chance. And that's a big change from what we were thinking only a couple months ago. And you never know, maybe he'll play great in the preseason. It's still pretty early, but when they start pulling back on the snaps that much, uh, it's a sign that basically Tyler Wilson isn't ready, and that, that's fine. He's a fourth-round rookie. And also, I mean, in Philadelphia, some stuff's bubbled up today. looks like that quarterback competition might be seeing some separation. Yeah, uh, beat writer Ruben Frank came out and said Vic has been tremendous and has gapped Nick Foles. He's pulling away from him. Uh, we kind of all expected that. I think a lot of the beat writers had Foles as their favorite going into camp, but we just... Vic's more talented, and you know one of the answers for us always is look where the money is, 
and they brought Vic back with what three million guaranteed, maybe. So, to me, he was always the favorite, and um, I would I would imagine the next step in that competition is they're just gonna weed fools out and let Vic get more repetitions in Chip Kelly's offense. Yeah, I mean, I just I can't take Vic seriously in terms of the 480 stories we've written about him. Because, you know what, yes, he's going to be named starter in about 18 minutes into the season. He's going to have a rib injury or something. We're going to, I mean, are we going to see every one of these guys? I don't know if we'll see Barkley if, if Foles and Vic stay healthy enough that one of them's healthy at all times. But it's a great point that, yeah, we're not going to, he's not going to start 16 games regardless, so they're both going to have to play. You know what strikes me, though, is so many teams needed quarterbacks before the draft, and we kept seeing reports the Eagles weren't even going to consider trading Foles. And the question has always been, how does he fit Chip Kelly's up-tempo offense? He's not that mobile. Why wouldn't they consider trading him to the Jets, who have Morningweg, who sure. was his offensive coordinator last year? To me, that always uh, it's up there with the Rams not considering drafting Robert Griffin the third and keeping that pick. How are you so confident that he's your guy? You know, I don't know. That that just boggles my mind. So you think they could still possibly trade him this year, or you're just surprised? At I what think they did? he's lost. He loses a lot of value if he doesn't win the starting job against Vic. It's not that crazy a thought to me. This is a tryout year for everyone under Chip Kelly, and if they decided, you know, they're they're kind of they're going to see how this goes. But you know, it's a to be decided at quarterback. None of these guys are are in it for the long haul, probably for them. Well, I'm still uh, crossing my fingers that uh, Ryan Mallett gets shipped to Cleveland, not. <laughs> For the on-field side, but I owe Henry, Handsome Hank, and Dan like you've, a massively expensive dinner if that doesn't happen. You've got bets going on all over this I know. office. Mark, I'm, lose, I'm losing lots of them. You're sort of in the host role today. I want to hear what your underrated storyline is. I mean, some, well, I think the thing, well, I will say that I got a kick out of the story. When we called Wes, actually, the other time, you were working on this Carson Palmer running the read option, which turned out to be a complete non-starter. They were just giving their defense a look. But what seems to be real in Arizona is that Patrick Peterson, one of the better cornerbacks in football, is being put on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, Bruce Arians this weekend basically said, this guy can be a top five receiver in the NFL. And they're, they've got a package of, what, 15 plays or so for him? And that sounds legit. Like, they're going to give this a real... I have a question about a player going both sides of the ball and actually sustaining through the season, but that should be interesting to watch. The only guy we've really seen do that and have a major role on offense was Deion Sanders for that one season, like 1995 in Dallas. Uh, Charles Woodson's only had like, what, two or three catches in his career, and they always talked about him doing it. So I think skepticism is advised, but it sounds like Arians is very serious about doing this, Uh, and the Cardinals don't really have a fourth receiver, so maybe they'll get him in for... Maybe we'll see him one or two times a game touch the ball. I, I, the thing I love about it is the coach's comments that when they put him out there, you know, right away, his route running was like he was a pro wide receiver. That it wasn't any, you know, big adjustment. That they were just so impressed about how he chopped up his steps. And, I mean, you mentioned Dion. That's, that's maybe a good comparison to him. I mean, it, they're different sorts of players, but it would be a lot of fun to watch, even if it's only a handful of times per game to just add that into the mix. It is interesting. If you figure you spend your whole career playing a certain type of position, knowing how to beat receivers and cover them, and then you know from the other side, here's how cornerbacks think, and I know how to think at the highest level. Let's let's try this on the other side of the ball. I am being told by uh, Wilk, though. He's frantically swirling his hands. We're running out of time. There's no one booked for the studio after, so I'm not sure if he's just getting bored, but uh, I think I we need to call it frantic. Well, well I don't know. 
Well, I like to the Cardinals. Things. The honey yeah. badger story was pretty interesting. That's right. Do we have time for one more anecdote out of the desert? We're going to blow past this yellow sign like Dave Damashek. Let's do it. <laughs> right ahead. So Ron Wolfley, who played fullback for the Cardinals in the 80s, uh, now is one of the radio guys, has spoken to some sources around the Cardinals, and honey badger seems like he is the real deal. Uh, one scout said he is pound for pound the best player on the field in Cardinals camp, and an offensive assistant said honey badger is going to change the whole team. You know, as a Browns fan, I was so annoyed that they didn't just go out and draft that guy just for the sake of why not, and they had all these long-winded reasons why it didn't make sense, and I think that a lot of teams are going to maybe regret completely passing him by. He just seems like one of those guys where football comes naturally to him. He's learning safety, cornerback, nickel, corner, and has already, already has the system down. They kind of need him, too, because if you think about that secondary last year, Greg Toller's gone, Adrian Wilson's gone, Kerry Rhodes is gone. That's a lot of change, and that's three quarters of your starting secondary has changed. So they're going to need people to come in and, and play well right away. Uh, and It was Wolfley, I believe, back during his playing days, said, if it's third and one and you need a yard, I'll get you a yard. If it's third and three, I'll get you a yard. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's how I'd like to reflect on my job hosting the show in Dan's absence here. But let's get out of here. We have a lot to do today. You got the first down. Give yourself some credit, hey, Mark. it was either third and one or third and three. I'm not sure, but it's time to go. It's been fun. And uh, so, everyone, we will be back on Wednesday to wrap up what happens between now and then. Thanks for joining us on the Around the League podcast. Frank Hill's office. Oh, hi. Uh, We have the wrong number. Sorry about that. Okay, no worries. Another striking victory by Wilk Tie behind the glass. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.